With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The three-game slate on Thanksgiving... It's beautiful. 54 projected total between the Bills and the Lions. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Primetime-ish. Maybe the most complete team in the NFL right now. Plus, Bill Belichick, Steve Belichick against Kirk Cousins. What could go wrong? Maybe a gruesome, gruesome event before our eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our Thanksgiving preview. It's Hayden Winks. My name is Josh Norris. So a few things today. We're going to go game by game, matchup by matchup. The most relevant fancy players in each of those plus the matchups that we really care about but also a little special gift for all of those all of you because you've been so good to us all year we want to open an underdog fantasy game for this three game main slate just for you Hayden tell the people so right now go to the NFL tab on underdog fantasy use promo code the show if you haven't signed up uh and right here we have four person drafts it we're trying to fill this thing within the next hour or so this is a flash draft uh, we've already done $5,000 uh, for you guys, rake-free. This is the last 1000 draft right now. So if somebody's already entered this, go to the NFL tab, main slate, underdog football show tourney, get in there. The more you guys fill these, the more promotions we can do. Speaking of some promotions, also in the Pick'em Lobby, we have Dak Prescott boost. We have special lines oh, yeah. as well. Take advantage of this. And then the final promotional thing you can do is if you refer your fi- friends, refer your family this week, you guys both get money. Go to your account settings, share your own referral link, get everybody out there playing on some underdog. All right. We're going to dive into those as we go along. Keep bringing them up to you because we love seeing you play on our platform and witnessing your teams. We might even pull up a draft at the end. We'll see. We'll see. Here we go. Let's kick it off with the first game of the day. That is the seven and three Bills against the four and six Lions. Bills, nine and a half point. Favorites on the road, a total of 54. Back-to-back games here for Buffalo on this field and on this turf. Just a couple things before we get into the players specifically. Games in Detroit this year, so including last week, are averaging a combined 62 points. Wow. The most in the league. And opponents have converted 46% of their third-down passing plays against the Lions this season, the highest rate in the league. So while we saw the opening, I don't know, 12 minutes, 15 minutes of last week, not go too well with 12 total yards for the Bills offense. Hopefully what they showed in those final three quarters is a you know shot in the arm for what we can see here on Thanksgiving and a shortened week for the Bills offense. Bills have not been playing as well recently, but their team total sits at 32 points, which I think is the highest team total of the entire year. 
they're ready to go. Uh, the, obviously, the Lions have been struggling to stop the pass and s- struggling to stop the run here. So it really just kind of comes down to is the Bills' recent kind of weeks where they've been a little bit more balanced, especially last week, a little bit more balanced. Is that a trend or is that just kind of a matchup by matchup uh, scenario here? Because I think that they can win through the air or the run here. So Josh Allen, by far, projected for the most points on the DFS slate. He's projected for a whole lot of yards, I believe 330 yards. Uh, in the pick'em projection, so this will be a Josh Allen-based Thanksgiving, and we'll get it out of the way in the morning. He is coming off his lowest fantasy total of the season with just twelve point six points. Again, I want to bring up with just eight minutes left in the second quarter, the Bills had just twelve total yards, and it was that third and ten conversion to Dawson Knox that like kind of allowed them to kickstart everything. I actually thought the Dawson Knox was a pretty pivotal part of this team achieving yep. whatever offense they put on the field against the Browns last week. Some Gabriel Davis as well. Um, and then the rushing attack. Like the Browns run defense along with the Houston Texans are like the bottom of the barrel compared to everyone else. So while you might say, oh, the Lions are 27th in run defense according to DVOA, it's such a gap between 27 and 32 that I don't know if this is a place where we can go back to Devin Singletary as much or go back to James Cook as much. Instead, and this is so obvious, I want to focus more on the passing attack because we've seen the Lions be spicy with some of their past coverages, namely with Jeff Okuda, go back to that Justin Jefferson game earlier this season. Jeff Okuda is going to miss Thursday with concussion. So the outside wide receivers and Gabriel Davis and Stefan Diggs, like whatever potential little speed bumps that they have are now completely flattened out. And I can see once again, a huge game on turf with a higher target ceiling and consistency that we're used to with Gabriel Davis, another really strong performance in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, he's had one good game in the last since week seven, basically. And I think this is going to be another big week for Gabe Davis. He's actually a positive regression candidate if you're looking at that type of sample here. So the matchup's pristine out there. I think Diggs and Gabe Davis are going to do whatever they want out there. Isaiah McKenzie, he's out there. He's in three wide receiver sets only. He's still holding on to the job. He is playing more just because Jake Kumro is not out there. Khalil Shakur is just barely mixing in. It's been a very tough season for Isaiah McKenzie. This could be a matchup where he springs open for a big play, but obviously he's third or probably fourth uh, in the pecking order when they're out in the route. So I think really the th- number three target to me is Dawson Knox. Yep. Last week he he was peppered with targets, and I think this could be a good matchup for him as well. We're looking for tight end ones right now in fantasy. There's a lot of injuries out there, a lot of just bad production in general. Dawson Knox, I think that he's a very legit tight end one, going to be inside my top 10 rankings at the end of the week over the last uh, month of the season. 7.4 expected half PPR points. Uh, that gets you on, on the radar. And we're still waiting for that classic two-touchdown Dawson Knox game when you're Teams project for 32 points. This could easily be it. I'm definitely here for Dawson Knox being one of those players that matters down the stretch of the fantasy football season. You know, we got it right during the summer, Hayden, where we you noted that Isaiah McKenzie earlier on the season was going to be running a whole bunch of routes. However, according to Rich Rebar, I think I read this in his worksheet, which you all should check out every single week. Uh, he only has 13 catches over his last six games. Yep. Yikes. Yikes. Um okay. Can we dive into the rushing attack here? Because the Lions defense did a fantastic job against Saquon Barkley last week. I think it was trying to find it here. I mean, it was like 42 total yards or something like very minimal work that he was able to put out there. But when you consider what game plans are like 
when you're getting ready for the Giants, when it is rush first and like, hey, let's try to limit Saquon and force Daniel Jones to beat us, which he could not last week, versus the Bills, let's take away the passing attack first. And if the running game beats us, it's going to have to beat us. So it's like going from designing your defense to take away the primary aspect being the rushing attack to now the secondary aspect being the rushing attack. So if it does get home this week, I think that can be a huge portion of it. And obviously every single week we're going to talk up Devin Singletary in this backfield, despite what James Cook did on, you know, a secondary or smaller workload last week, because again, 66, 67% of the work Devin Singletary has owned this entire season and neutral and negative game scripts. Yeah, Devin Singletary, 18.2 expected half PPR points last week. Uh, that was his highest since week three. So uh, James Cook is getting more involved. Still nothing yeah. from Naeem Hines. I do think in DFS for punt plays, I do think that James Cook can be somewhat interesting just because if the, the Lions get blown out here, James Cook, this could be a good opportunity for them to get him some run here. So uh, Naeem Hines, not playable. This is Devin Singletary backfield for the most part, but James Cook is at least mixing it and he hasn't been making as many costly mistakes. He was on a really having a really bad stretch uh, earlier in the year. My favorite, favorite line. We always have to go back to Gabe Davis here on the show. 58 and a half receiving yards like this can happen in two catches for him, yeah. you know, and again, with Jeff Rakuda, who was playing cornerback, unlike any others in terms of, hey, two hand press, I'm going to jam you at the line and maybe we can bracket you. They don't have that at all. Like the rest of their secondary has been really brutal this season. So I really, really love Gabe Davis once again. And even both sides can agree on this one, Hayden, because the consistency has been there more often. Uh, Gabe Davis this year is averaging 14.7 yards per target against man coverage. And right now, uh, the Lions are uh, sixth What's in man coverage on? rate. Yeah, it's a disco party over for Josh Norris with, with the Gabe Davis stuff. Uh, oh we might God. have to go dark. Uh, we'll see what happens here. No, I'm going to have to hold up a light on its own. Oh my gosh, this is going crazy. All right, Hayden, why don't you take us into the Detroit side of this while I bounce and try to fix my <laughs> some disco party. <laughs> okay, for the for the Lions side here, uh, right now the Bills have gotten a little bit healthier. They're still not all the way healthy in the secondary, uh, but their linebacker play might be uh, up to snuff. The Lions right now have some uh, injury questions by themselves at the wide receiver position. Uh, DJ Shark returned last week, but did not get a full complement of snaps. He only played 11 of them. Dan Campbell in a press conference today, he noted that they were just trying to get his legs out from underneath him and that they, uh, quote unquote, certainly expect DJ Shark to play more snaps this week. They're really going to need him because they have to stretch the field vertically to get some big plays to keep up with this Bills defense. So right now, I think that you're looking at uh, somebody in DFS and possibly in the pick and lobby eventually as someone who, if you're only looking at last week's routes, you're going to be underrating DJ shark. I'm expecting him to play more and that will come at the expense of uh Khalif Raymond. Who's been operating as the number two outside receiver. So Amon on the slot, he's by far the number one option. He uh, might even project for the most targets this week, 10, 12, 14 of them, especially um, and against this too high defense. They're going to be losing most likely. So lots of them on Ross St. Brown, but DJ Shark, I think, is at least interesting now that we got some confirmation that last week wasn't a downgrade in the depth chart. It was just his injury, and he was already practicing earlier this week. Yeah, now that we're talking about the Lions, the Rave had to end. Uh, when you think about it last week, 31 points, 31 points that the Lions put up, and it's because their offensive line was dominant. 
Uh, zero sacks on Jared Goff and bad weather and windy and all that jazz, but still just 167 passing yards from him. Um, I'm not saying that the Bills defense is even close to what we saw from the early parts of this season, but I guarantee you they're going to put more pressure on Goff this week than the Giants did last week. Uh, that also makes me nervous about the rushing attack in general, and it makes me most nervous, Hayden, for us being able to trust Jamal Williams, you know, because if this truly is a negative game script of nine, nine and a half points, maybe even 10 points, it gets there by Thursday. 67 of his last 70 touches have been carries, okay? And again, Lord Reeves, 46.9% of fantasy points scored by Jamal Williams this season have come directly from touchdowns. The highest rate, obviously, across the league. Now, we love touchdowns. We love Jamal Williams and have since the summer, but it's because they lead the league 34 plays inside of the five-yard line this season. This has been the foundation of Jamal Williams being a fantasy stud this year, but this is the game environment that, as much as it pains me to say, it's probably not going to happen in that same avenue. So it might either have to happen in the receiving game, which he's gotten some work over the past few years, or in volume accumulation. But again, the game script doesn't favor the rushing success that we've seen from Williams this this year. Yeah, totally agree. This is not the right game environment. But if they do go to the goal line, we know that he will be out there. So I think that he's like a secondary, kind of second-tier play uh, on the sleep for Jamal Williams. And I guess like... DeAndre Swift, I don't think he's been playing because he's been not that great. Now, matchup-wise, I I can even make an argument that this is not the worst matchup for DeAndre I like Swift this. in particular. He's way down in ADP. I'm sure his on other DFS sites that will not be named. Uh, I'm sure his his cost is a little bit lower than it once was. But if the, if the Bills are going to be in too high coverage the entire time and they basically lead the league in that type of defense, there could be some check-down opportunities for DeAndre Swift, especially if this thing gets into negative game script. So uh, I guess you can take a flyer on DeAndre Swift. He's a, he's a decent run back option for bill stacks out there. Final note, looking at just uh, uh, the lion success against two high coverages right now, yards per route run Amon Ross St. Brown against these two high shells, 2.6, the next closest player um, after getting rid of TJ Hawkinson and those types, Khalif Raymond all the way at 1.4. Then you get into your your backup tight end, your DJ Sharks. They're all about at one yards. So right now, Amon Ross St. Brown is in a league of his own against these type of coverages. So really like Amon Ross St. Brown's chances of maybe even cleaning like 10 catches. Yep, really like that. Tremaine Edmonds almost certainly out of this game. Once again, the risk team, a little scared right now to put up DeAndre Swift receiving lines, I think. Give them a day. Give them a day. You know, it, they're trying to go visit their family too. I understand. But when I went back and watched this Lions, uh, no, excuse me, this Bills defense against the Browns, it was one of the best receiving games we've seen from Nick Chubb. Like a couple mm-hmm. screens, swing passes early on. And if anyone is going to do that, it's going to be, I think, DeAndre Swift out of this backfield, which actually early on last week, they tried to do the exact same thing with him. You know, they had a couple early cool concepts, a pony personnel look with Justin Jackson, where Swift was the motion man that went on the wheel along the sideline. He got the first down, then fumbled. So it became third and one. And then he failed to get a first down on that third and one. And basically was never seen for the rest of the game until his touchdown. Uh, but I kind of love from the pick'em lobby standpoint of when 
our expectations couldn't be any lower on a player who has been productive at previous points this year and at least has a very clear area where he can succeed a lot in the passing game, especially last season in environments like this when the lines have been so far down for us to take advantage of that in a game like this with DeAndre Swift. And later when we go through on these drafts or these rankings in the flash game, which you can all find, Hayden, pull it up. Bam. DeAndre Swift is being taken so late in these. And like, as you're running back two, if you have to take him and your rankings are on your team to fill out your lineup, it piques my interest a little bit. Right now, Devin Singletary and Jamal Williams are being drafted right next to each other. Are you firmly on team Devin Singletary? And then uh, the next kind of tier is Zeke Elliott versus DeAndre Swift. I think we have this order correct here. Um, But I think just for like leverage purposes, Devin Singletary, I think is really interesting on this slate because there could be a huge gap in quarterback scoring from Josh Allen versus everybody else. And the one way to combat that, especially in battle Royale drafts, if you do not get the one one pick and Josh Allen's off the board to me, Devin Singletary is the, the leverage where hopefully you luck box in those two touchdowns that we saw just a couple weeks ago. And I would be trying to go out of my way for Devin Singletary purely for game theory reasons, especially on battle Royale. But I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, in a lot of different formats this week. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, next game. Let's do it. Next game up. Giants at the Cowboys. Giants, 7-3. Cowboys, 7-3. Total of 45 and a half in this game. Both teams, like I said, same record. But while we can sit back and, you know, appreciate what the Giants have achieved this season, there's an overwhelming sense of confidence when watching the Cowboys right now, and this is why they're nine-point favorites. I mean, Dak is in such a flow at the moment. Like a handful of occasions when you go back and watch him this past weekend against the Vikings, like three- and five-step drops turned into third-read checkdowns when he had to hold the ball a little bit longer than he was expected to. But now when you're getting that football to Tony Pollard, they can hit for explosive plays. He was 20-for-20 20 20 when not pressured this past weekend. That was a Vikings defense who's been pressuring everyone this season against a Giants defense that couldn't get a freaking sack on Jared Goff last week. So it makes all the sense in the world when we look at whatever main slate games you want to attack or pick them projections you want to add to your slips that Dallas Cowboys hires should be littered throughout. The biggest thing to note here for the matchups is this tendency that teams have been playing against the Cowboys. We have on off splits courteous of uh, football uh, sports info solutions and teams playing the Cowboys are playing zone coverage at astronomical rates. And that makes a lot of sense to me. They're also uh, not stacking the box as much. And then if you look at the, the Viking side of the football, even just like their own defense, uh, irregardless of the, the Cowboys splits, they're number one in light box rate. They're number one in zone coverage. They play a lot of two high shells as well. So they're going to have to take a lot of the underneath stuff, but the way that Dak Prescott has been handling himself, I think I'm also pretty bullish here that Dak Prescott's going to get through his progressions. That Tony Pollard touchdown uh, in the flats. That was like his third or fourth uh, progression as well. The Vikings, uh, Defense has been pretty hit and miss. Their secondary right now, I think, is on the bad, bad is on a kind of a bad swing. And uh, it was just it was a great game for the Cowboys uh, last week. Did want to bring up again in the Pick'em lobby, we are giving you a 100x boost. So if you hit a pick five 
with Dak Prescott in there for $1, it turns into $100. Like there's no reason not to do this this week. If you've never played Pick'em, now is the time to do so. There's a link in the description below. I'm sure we'll pass out links in the chat right now. It's promo code the show. We'll match your first deposit up to $100. So if you enter, let's say, 21 bucks, you get 42 bucks. You can enter four times into our Snapdraft. Then, bam, 100x under Dak Prescott, pick them projections as well. Okay. Let's talk through maybe some of these pass catchers because it has certainly been the Tony Pollard show and namely in the receiving game. Has that like lowered the ceiling of the point totals that we've seen from CD Lamb and Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz? Because it's been, you know, all the touchdowns flowing through these running backs over the last couple of weeks. Is that just something that's going to regress into more of the passing game? Or is this kind of in your eyes what the Cowboys are at best right now when they're so balanced? And again, two great backs, they want to get touches in their short areas. So over the last month, uh, CD Lamb's averaging 13.2 expected half PPR points, um, which is actually slightly higher than his entire season sample. Uh, just right now, like the offense is just so much better with Dak Prescott um, yeah. that I think there's still massive ceiling outcomes for CD land. The giants defense um, I think is going to probably end up getting relatively exposed down the stretch. Obviously they're not as good as their record indicates. So as long as they can beat, uh, teams underneath because every single defense they're facing is playing these soft zone coverages. I think that's going to um, be totally fine for Tony Pollard out, out in the flats. I think CD lamb uh, might even be better against zone coverage than man coverage. Um, I think that's actually working against someone like Michael Gallup, who's kind of a big play threat on the perimeter. And they're not seeing that much man coverage. There really is no reason for Dak Prescott to be throwing to Michael Gallup. If he's kind of lumbering out there. But the Giants are one of these teams that play man coverage at a really high rate. Like they lead the league in that rate at 50.4%. And they also blitz a league high rate of 46.5%. Dak, as always, shreds the blitz, right? Yep. So Wink has to go against what he's done in his past. And then this man cover stuff, it just, like you said, it hasn't happened very often. So the sample size is just teeny, teeny, tiny. Yeah. Um, That especially... Now, what we've seen in this iteration of the Kellen Moore offense, especially with like Jason Peters playing really well at left tackle and then moving Smith back to left guard, like the pass protection has been awesome. I don't know. I don't really care how the success has been the pass against man coverage. I expect to be really good this week. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I just don't think the Giants are going to play that much man coverage. I think they'd be oh, interesting. crazy to do. I mean, they lose a Dory Jackson and then all the other defenses in the league have been playing this zone coverage. So I would think that they have to make some type of adjustment here. So uh, either way, just the Giants, they're not, they don't have that much talent. They're back seven players, just really not all that good right now. So I think that the, the Cowboys are going to be able to do uh, whatever they want. Uh, Dalton Schultz, to me, very, very, very interesting. Definitely trending up uh, right now over the last month of the season, 11.5 expected half PPR points. He had 16.8 in te- week 10. Last week had 9.9. Mm. Uh, he... I think if I was doing like median projections, he'd be right there with TJ Hawkinson uh, as the number one and number two tight ends on the slate with Dawson Knox, kind of a more of a boom bust tight end three. So over the last three weeks, like you said, 74 receiving yards and 54 receiving yards and a touchdown. And he had 22 last week, despite having nine and a half expected fantasy points. That's because of a red zone target, I believe, or an end zone target this week, just higher, lower of 36 and a half receiving yards. So he, to me is the most likely to rebound up to the projections and the expectations 
that uh, that you have for him. Should we talk about the Giants? Let's do it. Uh, I guess we have to. I mean, the Giants have been really bad at gaining yardage on first downs this season. Like they're last in the league on it, to be honest. In uh, that first matchup against these Cowboys, which we know the Giants opened six and one this year, and their only loss was to the Cowboys with Cooper Rush, that I think is meaningful heading into this game too. Um, Saquon Barkley had like 13 runs of 35 total yards or close to that, and then had a 36 yard score. So he was very much reliant on old Saquon ways of three and a half, 3.2 yards, and then I'm going to break away a long run. Um, what I'm nervous about a few things. One, the Cowboys are the only team in the league that has yet to allow a first quarter touchdown this season. And second, the magic that Daniel Jones had on those third and sevens earlier this season when, you know, you also had Evan Neal at right tackle, Andrew Thomas at left tackle threading the needle. Um, he's not doing that anymore. I'm not saying that's on him. They've gone through so many wide receivers this year. And at some point, just being able to convert at such a high rate on third and seven plus is going to regress. And it feels like it has come crashing down to earth for this passing offense so far. Yeah, right now they are projected for the fewest amount of points uh, on the slate, rightfully so, uh, only down at 18. So it's not going to be great. They lose Wandale Robinson. Uh, Richie James was on the injury report. He, I think he was DNP, then he was limited today. He's going to swap in into the slot. And then it uh, it's Darius Slayton's the number one. And then it's like some type of rotation on the perimeter, like Isaiah Hodgins uh, was out there, uh, Kenny Galladay, I guess. It's really bad. So Daniel Jones has been rushing a lot. I presume that he's going to have to rush a lot as well here. But for like DFS stacking, it's really hard to find somebody to kind of stack with. Um, I've got a really disgusting name. Um, well, mine's Richie James. Okay. What's your disgusting name? Lawrence Cager. Oh, okay. Tight end. If you're looking for a punt, I know like, we have to talk about this just because <laughs> just because I mean, you really just have to talk about it. Um, Lawrence Cager was a wide receiver in college. Now he's playing tight end. And if Richie James is, is banged up a little bit, Lawrence C- Cager was out there for a lot of the routes. Um, you can do worse than Lawrence Cager. That was that's all I was saying. <laughs> I tried to open the show with so much optimism and energy about this late. And now we're talking about Lawrence Cager. It is tough, though, to talk about individuals not named Daniel Jones and really Saquon Barkley. But like that's where we are with the Giants. And again, I guess I I find more interest in like talking about the Giants from a top down approach in that if they're going to be facing second and longs because they've been so bad at gaining yardage on first down and then third and sevens. Now you have Micah Parsons against a potential backup right tackle. You also have Doran's Armstrong, who was fantastic last week against a backup left tackle. And then you have Dante Fowler, who has been playing in the interior in these like NASCAR packages and making heavy footed interior offensive linemen look like they have concrete in their feet. And like this is one of those defenses that you do not want to be in third and five plus situations. Uh, I know that Daniel Jones has been so much better this season at not turning the football over in both interceptions and fumbles, but I still think he kind of plays with blinders on. And this lack of same rushing success from earlier in the season when teams were so scared or not scared per se, but just not knowledgeable that the Giants were going to get him out on bootlegs and weren't treating him like a true runner in option and read situations. I think that's all changed here. And like, look, if you're going to try to use 
Micah Parsons as the conflict man on the edge like Jalen Hurts and the Eagles did, uh, okay, they'll move him out to linebacker or put someone else in that spot, and good luck to you, sir. So it's not going to be as easy this you know, this time. And I really think that the Giants as a whole, unless Saquon does just really special things and their blocking has vastly improved since last week, uh, it's going to be a long, hard day. And I'm, I'm really not targeting anyone on this Giants team, even Saquon with one of those top five picks. Yeah, that, that's going to be the thing we have to discuss when we open up to the rankings is where to take Saquon versus some of the wide receivers like a Justin Jefferson uh, or maybe even just you t- take Dak Prescott ahead of him. Um, yeah, Saquon last week only had 13.0 expected half PPR points because the offense couldn't go anywhere previously. He was on a stretch of uh, having a bunch of games in a row with at least 17. So it really just comes down to the blocking. I don't, I'm not expecting a huge game from Saquon Barkley. If I had to choose something with him, I think I would take some of the receptions rather than uh, any of the rushing stuff, especially if like Wandale Robinson, if they're not going to fully be able to replace that type of production, I think you can get away with Saquon Barkley receiving some more of that. Uh, also like Matt Breida for complete punts. He's at least yeah. playing. If this game gets really out of hand, you can see like fourth quarter Matt Breida get out there, but like it, it would not be very pretty. Yeah. In the pick'em lobby right now, Saquon Barkley is at 22 and a half receiving yards, 76 and a half. I mean, they have him projected for over a hundred total yards. Whew. Darius Slayton at 47 and a half. Your boy Lawrence Cager's in there at 16 and a half. Oaks must have heard you. I've He's taken, like, I'm I've putting taken him some in. Cager. I've taken some <laughs> Cager. He, I mean, he was out there for almost, I'm not even joking, almost every single route last week. It's like Tanner Hudson, these guys, like it's it's just it's just not good. And and look, we have a whole video with Josh McCown breaking down the nuances and the details of the Giants offense. Uh, I don't want to be shitting on it. It's just really difficult when you don't really have players around you, like playmakers around you, you know? Like I really it's a fun offense stylistically um but there were so fine margins to be nailing over and over and over again to start the season this is why it was all one score games and i feel like that has just completely widened for again being in week 12 now and all these injuries hitting and uh defense is figuring out what you were succeeding with earlier on in the season so Darius slayton uh 11.2 expected half ppr points last week uh he's been a volatile player for the most part just because of the way that he's used um over the last like since he's kind of been that starter he's averaged eight expected half ppr points um he, he's been actually pretty good this year so i think i think you can do worse than that, throwing him into the flex spot i think that if you're doing uh cowboy stacks he's the most obvious uh like big play threat on the giants if you want to uh stack him up and then obviously uh some lawrence cager uh for all the money before we get there right now it's like the first ever flash draft that we've ever done 200 entrants. That's it. $1,000 in prizes. I believe zero rake. Correct, Hayden? Correct. Yes. Thanksgiving main slate. Four people in your draft. 32 people have entered so far. There's only 200 spots. That's it. Let's fill it by the end of the show. Let's have some fun. We'll talk about it more after we go through this final game. But this is something that we're excited just for the listeners and viewers, you've been so good with this community that we want you all to obviously play each other. There's nowhere else you can find that this is going on right now other than this show at the moment. All right. Final game of Thanksgiving. After all the turkey, the dressing, the Brussels sprouts, we get Bill Belichick and Kirk Cousins. Total of 42 and a half. The six and four Patriots against the eight and two Minnesota Vikings, which everyone is laughing at this week. But Vegas, not so much. Two and a half point favorites here. Is that fair to you? I want the Patriots outright. 
I think they're the better team. Um, You're looking at like some of the fancy boy analytics out there. And they think that the Patriots are just a better team straight up than the Vikings. I think that the biggest thing of the week on the Vikings end is left tackle Christian Darisaw. He's had concussions in the last couple of weeks. He will not be playing uh, in these last two games when he's been off the field. The Cowboys have allowed a 54% pressure rate last week. Uh, the Cowboys completely annihilated Kirk Cousins. Right now, the Patriots are second in adjusted sack rate. They're number one in pressure rate. Matthew Judon's been an absolute beast out there. And yep. then the secondaries, even with some relative no-namers, is really stepping up. I think the Patriots' defense is very legit, at least top five. You can make an argument that they're top three right now. Uh, I think Matt, Matt Judon's going to be a hell of a player out there on Thanksgiving. I think that this game could get a little bit lower scoring just because the Patriots offense is still somewhat in a rut and this pressure rate uh, on offs without Christian Darisaw, I think are actually meaningful. I don't even think it's that, that noisy because Darisaw has been such a beast this year. My only thought is 42 and a half seems quite high. When you consider that, like you said, no Christian Darisaw, the Pats have legit defensive player of the year candidate. But the Patriots' offense has scored two touchdowns in their last three games. And their offensive line is also incredibly questionable. Yes. Like David Andrews, who has been the anchor of that offensive line, left last week with a serious injury. Isaiah Wynn replaced Trent Brown at left tackle, who was dealing with an illness all week. uh, And he immediately left. Isaiah Wynn's also been playing some left guard this season and even some right tackle at times. So then you have to throw Trent Brown in there to restart at left tackle. And then Cole Strange has been in out of the lineup. This season and the Vikings defense where they see a weakness along your defensive or offensive line, they attack it because the oh, yeah. Darius Smith is an edge rusher. He's an interior rusher. Janelle Hunter is coming along too. And they've got some, you know, pocket pushers, long defensive tackles. So 42 and a half seems quite high when, even though they did beat the jets last week in a game that ended 10 to three, probably should have been nine to three. I don't know if I feel any better about this Patriots offense. You know, like, I don't know if you had time to watch that game yet, but it was, you know, 23 of 27 passing or whatever it was for dink and dunks down the field. I know it was outdoors and this one's going to be inside. There was nothing that I saw in the bye week that I can say, oh, they figured out to lean into this aspect of the passing game for Mac Jones and company because they haven't. Yeah, no, I mean, there's and there's a, such a rotation um, at wide receiver position. Like Jacoby Myers, a full time player, but Tyquan Thornton, Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, they're all out there. Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are mixing out, and really, to be honest, none of them are all that good. So Jacoby Myers, I think, is fine. Just this this entire season, he's been playing pretty well. He hasn't been as great the last couple games, but man, like. They're really it's basically impossible to project any of these other wide receivers. There's in such a huge rotation. So basically they're all going undrafted um, on underdog right now. And it's, it's hard to get optimistic with any of them. I think I would maybe sprinkle some Taekwon Thornton just in case he can get deep downfield. Uh, but really it's like, it's very hard to get optimistic uh, and with the passing game, just because it's going to be dink and dunk. So I, I guess really the conversation for the Patriots side is Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris splits yeah. because Ramondre uh, had had a good game, did not have a great game last week. He had 15.0 expected half PPR points, which was definitely lower than it was. Actually, that was the lowest since uh, week four because Damian Harris played more. Ramondre really has been playing a lot of the passing down snaps. He's he's actually like leading the Patriots and targets a lot of these weeks recently. Um, If we think that this game is a little bit closer than giving credit for, 
I think Damian Harris is kind of interesting in DFS. Just I'm if he you. can kind of luck, luck box into some touchdowns here and this game gets really sloppy. Um, and Damian Harris, I do think that he's, uh, I wouldn't say 50-50 for goal line touches with Ramondre, but it'd be pretty damn close. And I don't see why Damian can't, as a punt play, uh, luck into a touchdown. Yeah, I think there's a lot of narrative stuff to talk through with this backfield because when Damian was out with that hamstring issue, we all gravitated towards Ramondre Stevenson as being a top five, top seven ranked back in those weeks. And he definitely earned it because he's a big play threat, big back with balance, very unique across the NFL, right? However, when you consider that the reason that Damian Harris was inactive after healing from a hamstring was because of an illness and immediately yep. coming back, it was basically 50-50. And Damian looked great as a runner, like gains of 22, gains of 16, gains of... 32 yards, right? Like my biggest concern though is as much as I love Damian last year is once again, the blocking is so much worse this year in general. And I think at some point you're going to need a big play. Like they got last week for Andre Stevenson when defenders are right in his face and he creates magic out of nothing. And Damian is so good at picking up the yards that are created for him. And I think obviously that was last week, but almost last week might be the ceiling for him moving forward in terms of just yardage totals because yeah. it was already two or three explosive gains and then everything else. It just feels like the Patriots have trouble generating two to three yard runs. And it feels like they get hit at the line of scrimmage way more often than they did last season. Even with some of this Damien optimism from me, he only had 5.7 expected happy right. points last week. So he made the most of them, but Ramondre is still lapping him uh, in, in regular usage here. So this is somewhat of just like a, a punt play option for Damien Harris. I don't want to make him anything more than that. But like, because Damien doesn't have a pick and projection right now in the lobby. Ramondre's at 90 and a half total yards. Okay. If you see Damien checking in here at like 51 and a half total yards, like I, I'm taking the higher on that. All day. I would be surprised if it was that high listed in the lobby. Ooh, all right. Yeah. I, I, I would be following you. Uh, Vikings end. Justin Jefferson last week only had 6.7 expected half PPR points. Obviously, they couldn't do anything. He faced Trayvon Diggs. Uh, Kirk Cousins was so beyond tattered. Uh, it was hard for them to move the ball at all. Justin Jefferson has been playing through that toe injury. It's going to be hard to tell just how limited he's been here. But this goes back to kind of the narratives that we had with Garrett Wilson last week is the Belichick defense is going to try to take away their best player. It's unquestionable questionable that it is Justin Jefferson. So like, is he the top wide receiver on the slate? Like Steph Diggs, CD lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown. I think in other weeks I would make him like the number one guy, but I think in this week it's at best kind of a toss up between some of those other names. So this is not a slam dunk play for Justin Jefferson though he's so damn good that if he popped off for 100 yards and touchdown that wouldn't surprise anybody I'm surprised you didn't pull out your line of Bill Belichick and Steve always take away the I did say it oh, okay I just wasn't listening to you I guess yes. in that moment um yeah I mean look when Kirk has to go off his first read he's really struggled this season and like there have been times when Kirk's been incredibly hot this year but I think a part of that is like you said with Christian Derrissaw and company playing at one of the premier left tackles in the league and being out here is massive. Um, I'm shocked that the Patriots defense has been this great without Christian Barmore, who heading into this year, I think you could make an argument that he was their best rising defensive yeah. player. And once they get him back, hopefully towards the end of the year, like this can be something even more special, you know? So 
a lot of the rookies have stepped up and played well, not just in the punt return game, but also on the defensive side of this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm again going to look at the lower, the under on the 42 and a half, but a little narrative of the Vikings getting blown out so much last week by the Cowboys. I do wonder with like a lack of a fourth quarter going against a really physical matchup against the Jets last week, if we get a little short week hangover from both sides of the Patriots versus maybe a little more rested Vikings. But that's just a narrative standpoint. Um, Adam Thielen, we have some splits on off with TG Hawkinson. Uh, right now, over the last three games, Hawkinson's averaging 13.4 expected half PPR, PPR points, which is absolutely out of control. And Adam Thielen over that same sp- spans at 7.6. Last week, he only had 3.6. So uh, I'm guessing we're going to refresh at the end of the season and see that uh, TJ Hawkinson has really hurt Adam Thielen in particular here. Um, I think KJ Osborne is somebody that you, he's out there for all the snaps he's done nothing to really it disappointing but, this season you know because right. you you think from a team that throws so much that kj osborne would be one of those relevant wide receiver threes but mm-hmm. especially as you just outlined with tj hawkinson coming to the fold it's now you know the fourth pass catcher and even sometimes fifth depending on the running back situation yes but like two weeks ago he had 14.9 expected half ppr points like wow. there is paths to a spike week randomly and like if Justin Jefferson isn't at full health and they kind of take him away, uh, I think that KJ Osborne's at least kind of like in play as a punt option. Um, I would rather have him at cost versus like Adam Thielen. Um, Dalvin your, Cook. Or, to your point else? with the splits on Thielen and Hawkinson, again, right now they are projected for the same exact receiving yards totals. So take what take he Haw- said. I would yep. take Hawkinson straight up. That's exactly what I was going for. Bang. Um, Dalvin Cook. Also had his worst game uh, in a very long time. Um, I think he'll rebound. It's just will they be able to block well enough for him to spring open a big game? I think he looks he looks healthy out there. Uh, 0.5 rushing touchdowns, I think, is an appropriate line here. Um, I, I think like just total-wise, I think I'd drop the, the Vikings down of a point and then bring the Patriots up mm. a couple here. Um, I, right. I, I just really like them. The, the advanced the advanced metrics like the Patriots to some degree and don't like the Vikings to some degree relative to their records. You know, we've talked about it in the past where Mac is a bit more mobile than given credit for when like he escapes the pocket. But this year, like when he has face pressure and he sees it coming at him, he's just going straight to the ground. Um, I think there's some real lack of trust between him as an off and his offensive line at the moment which makes sense when last year was one of the best offensive lines in the league. And this year it's not plus a lack of trust, probably in the concepts in the passing game in totality. But you know, there's a stretch of the season, like the last four or five weeks, if this changes uh, and they start hitting things and connecting and what worked last year, then uh, some positive things can happen from this. But I'm, I'm nervous in this game because despite what they showed last week, the Vikings defense has been quite good for stretches of the year. Okay. Um, so just, Game-wise, I think my favorite bets would be the Patriots to cover or to win. Um, do you have any leans on any of these games? No. I just want the people to know that right now, when you go to the front page, all you have to do, it's going to give you the home section. You need to click on NFL, and then right here, UD Football Show Tourney. 200 entrants. If you're watching this after we're going live, maybe there are a couple entrants still open. Hit enter, $5 entry. It's just a beautiful game. 150 to first place, 100 to second place, 75 to third. 
It's a four-person draft. Should we talk through some strategy? Yes. All right. I think the best way to do this, what I do every single time with Battle Royale. Is pray you get the one-on-one. <laughs> well, this week in particular, you're praying for the one-on-one. But beyond that, I always look at just kind of positional scarcity and see where we're at. Uh, in the main slate, these are six-person drafts. In ours, it's four-person drafts. And that's going to add some uh, drafted rate differences in the main slate all these quarterbacks are going to be drafted 100 but in our league you can drop down and i would mix in some jared goff compared to Kirk cousins if you're available but, do you disagree with any of these rankings though and like where are the tiers no i guess my biggest disagreement is taking saquon barkley over dak prescott right now as like a top four selection and i understand like that's the turn right is saquon dak saquon dak if i'm the 102 i think i'm taking dak prescott because i among these quarterbacks, like I do not want to fall into the territory of having to rely on Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins or Jared Goff and Mac Jones this week. You know, in this three game slate, I either want Josh Allen or either want Dak Prescott, and I can hopefully build the rest from there. And if you do take Dak Prescott, uh, there are other options. You can do a Noah Brown or a Michael Gallup, uh, even though we, we didn't we weren't recommending them. I think definitely you can get Dal- Dalton, Dalton Schultz, Schultz yep. exposures there. So um, I, I'm with you. I, I like taking C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott. I think if I don't want if I don't have the one one, I think I want the later picks just so I can try to stack Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb there. So um, to be honest, though, I, I would I would even consider Dak and Zeke. You know, especially where Zeke is going, because we know Tony Pollard's been hitting home run touchdowns. A lot of those last week were in the air. But if it's getting inside the five yard line, as we saw, like Zeke still has a lot of that responsibility. So you're getting you're getting double, right? You're getting the passing touchdowns from Dak and you're getting the short yardage rushing touchdowns from Ezekiel Elliott. So basically what I'm nominating is Dak Prescott to be the 102 instead of the 201. I think I would take the discount from Jared Goff's ADP versus Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins. We can see Jared Goff in the third and fourth quarter really slinging it. And right now, uh, we have all the tight ends are undrafted. And obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown's not going as high as some of these other players. And you can throw in a DJ Shark. You can throw in a Khalif Raymond to make it kind of interesting. So I think I would go Jared Goff if I had to rather than draft these ones. But I'm with you. I think Dak Prescott goes a little bit later than what I would be recommending here. And like the other last note for, for battle Royale is open up the draft board while you're drafting to know when people have drafted their quarterback. If, if and tight end and tight end, if everyone's drafted their quarterback by round four, you don't have to take your quarterback until the very last round. So open the draft board, know how often these players have been getting drafted and then pay attention to some of the stacks. So um, I think that's a the good primer for the quarterback position really is you got to get the one one oh one and take some Josh Allen. Yeah. Um, I'd be okay with the one oh two though and getting Dak again. It's just six rounds, and as we always say, it's it's different on a condensed three game slate. Even though we love Thanksgiving versus you know a thirteen game slate on on Sunday, but if you wind up getting the one oh two two times in a row, be sure to obviously separate your your teams, make them different. And so in the rounds five or round six, go with a different stack of, of a different team. And yeah, you're only making six picks. So I don't know how crazy you have to be in this format, Hayden, with that six selection. Um, if you want to go completely off the wall and get someone who's undrafted, what do you think? I always, always go always. For, for okay. some, some wonkiness. This that the whole, the whole point of this is find the undrafted players. Um, Going off this kind of like second overall pick right now, Stefan Diggs is the number two. I have some galaxy branding things right now. 
do you want Steph Diggs? Because there's basically no way you can get Josh Allen on the same teams. And like, would you rather at, at number two or three, would you rather take Justin Jefferson and correlate him with Kirk Cousins or CD Lamb try to correlate him with Dak Prescott instead of Steph Diggs? Like, I, I, I think the projections are pretty similar between them. And I feel like I would rather punt uh punt off some of that projection just so mm. I can lock up the correlation. I, it just feels a little bit difficult. I think like the odds of you winning the tournament is higher with like Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins having some ludicrous game rather than like Steph Diggs dominates, but Josh Allen doesn't separate from the field, even though Steph Diggs dominates. And then your other quarterback stack kind of like makes up the difference. I will allow you to do the galaxy branding. I'll keep it to the simple minded stuff. All right. Um, so if it's four teams, six rounds, that's 24 total picks, correct? Yes. Okay. So as we leave you, we're going to give you our favorite player with an ADP outside of that top 24. How about that, Hayden? Will you scroll down? That's it. Okay. Mine is Damian Harris. I mean, he's just a couple spots after that, but at 26 or 27, um, I think there's a legit chance that Damian Harris leads this team in rushing this week. Because other than that, it's like, the James Cooks of the world. Richie James is a possibility too. But I think Damien, and it's no given that the short yardage work, if they even get there, is to Ramondre Stevenson either. So uh, I think we can fade the recent love, which was very warranted for Ramondre Stevenson, because now it's time to reset our brains and realize this is closer, at least from a touch standpoint, to 60-40 rather than, hey, Ramondre's got it all and Damien just checks in every once in a while. Yeah, I, I love Damien as like the best projected play at his ADP for the same reasons you said. Uh, I do like Devin Singletary and Zeke Elliott for the leverage purposes. Obviously, if we love Josh Allen and Dak Prescott, we need to find ways where uh, somehow that they don't really separate from the other positions. And I think that goal line touchdown variance just could go to Zeke Elliott and Devin Singletary. So when I'm not stacking those offenses, I do like mixing in uh, either of them. Uh, do, do you have like any concerns with like how the ADPs are between... Uh, Tony Pollard, Dalvin Cook, Ramondre. I, I think you can make an argument that Dalvin Cook should go ahead of Tony Pollard. Mm. Um, just based off of touches and stuff. Like I, I love Tony Pollard. He's been super explosive, but I do wonder if kind of recency bias is really pulling Tony Pollard ahead of well, Dalvin Cook. It's also the, probably the team total too, you know? The Cowboys and Vikings team total are, I think, four or five points apart. Yeah. Um, so it matters a little Almost bit. But, like, touchdown. Tony, but Tony Pollard what he's probably got lower odds of a goal line touchdown compared to Zeke Elliott based off of the yep. usage. Yep. So I, I don't know. I, I think I would, I would have to consider uh, Dalvin cook over, over Tony Pollard um, at the turn though. All right. That's going to do it again. We need all of you. You're going to arrive at the homepage, click on NFL and right there. It's an instant draft. Boom. It's almost halfway full already. Underdog football show. Tourney. Go and play with the community. Go and play with your friends. All right. We'll be back here tomorrow, Friday, one of the two. Talk through Hayden's rankings for week 12. That's going to do it. Appreciate you all in the chat. Appreciate you all watching and appreciate you all playing in this awesome tournament. Up the Vela. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya. <laughs>